this for me, Bekai. Uh, no problem. I'm, I appreciate you uh, putting me on. No, this is nice because I know down in Port St. Lucie, there's not uh, uh, tons of restaurants. Are there a lot of restaurants down there that you can eat down there? Yeah, I mean, it's, 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 it's really been built up over the last uh, 15 years or so. So there's a, there's, a, there's a lot of stuff. I mean, you know, you're not gonna, there's not a lot of, not a lot of four star, five star restaurants, but there's plenty of, there's plenty of options. Let's put it that way. I tell you one thing, when we had our spring training down in Fort Lauderdale, that was fun. We had a really oh, yeah. good time down there. Oh, I can imagine. Oh, that was, that was a time of our life down there. And then those guys went to Tampa and it's okay. Tampa's pretty it's good, okay. yeah. but nothing like Fort Lauderdale. Nothing yeah. like, uh, uh, and they had that big song where the girls are, and that's where they were. <laughs> that's where they were down there. I mean, it was it was fun. You know, uh, Fort Lauderdale was fun. It was. Uh, um, it's a lot different, uh, which y'all go through now and what we went through. But hey, it's the time of the. Uh, you know, I mean, it's changing of the times and stuff. I mean, uh, yeah. you, you've been a beat writer for what, 12, 13 years. Yes, yeah, my twelfth season on the Mets. Yeah, is it really? Congratulations, Big Guy. Yeah. yeah, thanks. I think yep. uh, yeah, but the Pulse is a great to me. I I love the Pulse. I mean, it was a great uh, paper to us, and uh, but we had a lot of people on our team where it's a lot of print there, and uh, you know when you had a Reggie and you had a Thurman and you had uh, um, you know Catfish and Sparky and. You know, that's why they called us the Bronx Zoo. We had a lot of print. and But it was fun. Yeah, you guys sold a lot of uh, newspapers back in the day. Oh, yeah, we did. We did. <laughs> and people didn't realize, you know, the Yankees at that particular time, you know, we probably had, you know, I was telling guys. And, and they said, really, what type of uh, guys were you guys on your team? We probably had a fight every single day in our clubhouse. You know, always, we always would have a disagreement over cards, uh, over, you know, they playing dominoes, uh, they playing pool. And uh, we would always have a fight, always have a, not a fight, but a little maybe push around, tug around. Yeah. And then, yeah. then we go on the field, Mike. I mean, it's, it's like, uh, uh, it's, it's two different types of teams. You know, I mean, we're wild, you know, in the clubhouse. And then we got on the field. It was totally all business. Yeah. I, think George, I think George was watching us the whole time. You know, <laughs> we had to make sure we we're good. <laughs> but let me ask you a question, Mike. And I, I know that, you know, uh, you know, you know, you, you've been following the team an awful lot. But uh, the only time that I ever get, uh, you know, the Mets or the Yankee baseball or basically uh, um, when the MLB will carry the game. And down in Atlanta, unfortunately, uh, we get the Braves all the time. So sure. uh, I think you're going to have a pretty decent season this year. I really do. Well, I mean, they went out and uh, they, uh, the, the, the big, you know, the big, the big trade was getting Francisco Lindor from Cleveland. That's, uh, that's as good a shortstop as you're going to find anywhere. And now uh, the, the key will be today's sign him to a long-term extension here, but uh, Lindor, uh, now they bolstered the pitching staff a little bit. They got Carlos Carrasco in that trade, but he's all, he's hurt already with a 
torn hamstring. So they're, they're kind of filling in from the back end right now in the rotation. Well, I'll tell you one thing. You're not going to uh, do for any type of money. I think the money's going to be uh, deep pockets like George was. If he wants somebody bad enough, I think he's going to get it. Yeah, I mean, you have the, the wealthiest owner in sports right now with Steve Cohen here, $14 billion. Congratulations. It's, it should be fun. I mean, you know, I, I think uh, when you have the Steinbrenners and now you got to Steve Cohen, uh, I think that uh, now are they going to be, it's just going to be like, uh, uh, like Vegas. Are they going to play against one another? And uh, I, I think that, uh, you know, I, I think both teams are going to have a pretty decent team. I mean, I'm looking at the Yankees and unfortunately, you know, you can't go down there now. And uh, but you just watch them. And, you know, if they don't have any injuries, if the Mets does not have any injuries, I think it's going to be a pretty wide open, uh, you know, season this year. I think, uh, I mean, you, you look at the two divisions, uh, the Mets, I, I, I think the NL East is probably the toughest division top to bottom because you're talking about the Mets, the Braves, the Nationals, uh, the Marlins are improved. They made the playoffs last year. The Phillies are a good team. And uh, you look at the Yankees and the AL East, it's, it's, a, it's a little bit more top heavy, but you got the Yankees, you got the Rays, and you know, Toronto's improved, certainly. And can you ever really, I don't know if you can count out the Red Sox just because they're the Red Sox. So, uh, you know, I, I think the East is where the, the best teams in baseball are in, in, in both leagues. Now, I got a question for you. Now, being in the National League for your whole, almost your whole career, what do you think about the universal DH? Do you like it? I like, I like the universal DH, especially after last year with them using the DH, now going back to the pitcher, it just seems like you're taking a, a real step backwards here. And I'm, I'm of the opinion, I don't think people want to see pitchers hit anymore. I, I know there's the strategy angle and the double switches and such, but at the same time, I think people want to, want to see hitters hit. They don't want to see the pitcher going up there bunting or striking out. Yeah, I totally agree. And you, you watch BP all the time. And, you know, these guys, they really, you know, they hacking away. They're not trying to bunt. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's no uh, small ball like a Billy, uh, uh, you know, like Martin, how he played and, and the Joe Maddens and the first and thirds anymore and the, the uh, suicide squeezes. I don't even know. Has anybody ever tried the suicide squeeze in the last few years? It's been a, you know, I, 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 I yeah. <laughs> I see it occasionally, but that's a lost word, isn't it? Not much. Suicide squeeze. Not much. Most guys don't even know how to bunt anymore. So let alone suicide squeeze. But uh, no, I, you know, and I'm, I, we still have uh, a week here where the, the two sides could get together and decide to put in the uh, universal DH. I don't, I don't think there's any momentum right now, but you know how these things work. We saw it last year where, uh, you know, right a few a few hours before the season started, that they changed the changed the format for the postseason. So they, they still could agree on something there, and, and the Mets uh, would benefit more than most teams in the National League with the DH because it would allow them to uh, to really improve their defense. You know, you, you got Dominic Smith, who's uh, um, who emerged last year as a very good hitter, but he's not a left fielder, and the Mets are, are kind of forced to play him in left field yeah. without the. 
So uh, it, it would really benefit the Mets a lot if, if, if the sides get together and decide on, a, on the DH. I don't think the National League, uh, 50% of the people love it, 50% of the people hate it. Uh, people always, you know, me being the first DH and, you know, in 73, I screwed up the game. I tell people I screwed up the game because after 48 years, you know, they could talk about analytics. They could talk about this and that and this. And but they can't make a decision about, you know, the DH. I don't I don't you know, I don't get it. I really don't. Because, you know, uh, you, you talk to uh, Hal Steinbrenner, uh, you talk to Brian Cashman, um, you, you look at all the pitchers they got injured when they uh, hit with the Yankees, like Tanaka and all those guys, you know, I mean, uh, they just cringe when they get on base. And uh, so, I mean, we see it in the national league too, where every year there's a, there's a pitcher that strains an oblique swing in the bat. And the, the other thing I look at Ron is I just think it's kind of silly that you have two sets of rules. You have the American league doing one thing yeah. and then doing what the other thing i mean let's get together here and, and do it in a uniform way especially now that it's not like um, 30 years ago where the american league just played the american league we have so much interleague now and then there's always the issue of you know okay we're going to do the dh and the american league part and the pitchers hitting the net you know it's just all right let's get on the same page here and, and let's let's move forward and have everybody use the dh do you think the game is going to eventually go back to the way that it was used to play? Maybe not in a total sense, but do you think the analytics will not play as big as bigger part in the next few years? Uh, because you look at what happened to Snell with Tampa and, you know, that was a major thing. I mean, he's throwing 98, you know, I mean, he's he's in the black in every pitch and stuff, and they getting him out, you know, after whatever. I mean, you know, I, you know, I, I just, you know, I mean, you know, being a hitter, and if a pitcher is having a a super game, and if he has a, having a one or two hitter, and I'm up to bat, I know that I'm gonna see some good pitchers. I know yeah. that you know is I know that his ball's moving, and I know that he's hitting the spots and. But it gives me a lot more incentive, maybe not to bear down, but to, you know, to, you know, to watch the ball maybe a little bit harder and to uh, pump up a little bit more to try to get a base hit, to get a base hit off of a guy that's having his best up, like the Grom. I mean, it seems like to me for the last, what, two years that, you know, he doesn't have a bad ball game. And, you know, and people didn't realize he was, what was he, a third baseman coming out of college? Was he, he was a shortstop uh, coming out of Stetson. And, uh, you know, he, he started as a shortstop and they used him uh, as a reliever a little bit. And that's, that's how they found out he could pitch. Did he have a pitch in college? Just, uh, just a, he pitched as a reliever. So he kind of, he, he started as a shortstop and, uh, uh, by the end of his college career, he, he was he was pitching out of the bullpen mostly, and then uh, I, I you know the Mets drafted him as a pitcher. They 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 knew he they knew he could pitch. Could but he hit? Not, not not to the level that you know he, he he's shown. Obviously, they I think Degrom was a tenth round pick if I remember correctly. Um, so 
uh no he's he's a guy who's who's evolved as he's as he's come along here you know they the Mets drafted him and he immediately had Tommy John surgery so they didn't get to see him right away and and then he came back and even you know even in the minors he was a guy who who he was throwing hard and, and back and back then now we're talking 2012 2013 he was throwing 95 and that was that was opening eyes he was throwing 95 um now a lot of guys throw 95 oh. um you know probably most guys throw 95 now now the drama is, is, is throwing 100 101 um but even in the minor leagues you know he was a guy who who was throwing hard but he he, he wasn't getting the results he was pitching to uh four four and a half era in the minor league so he, he he's a guy who kind of learned how to pitch here as he as he came along but people don't realize that it's really you know i mean back uh, I'm, I'm, i have to go back to the times we're playing i know that times have changed but the name of the game is to uh, uh it's not how well it is nowadays how hard you throw but if you have people say well this guy's throwing 98 miles an hour but his ball could be straight as an arrow too. Uh, like DeGrom, the only time I ever get to watch him is on TV. And you know, when you get the angles on TV, it's uh, really deceptive. I mean, it's really hard to, uh, to really to judge his pitches. But uh, if you watch him pitch and he, he's so much in command and you know, he reminds me of so much of a, you know who he reminds me of a little bit. He reminds me of like a Bob Gibson a little bit. Mm-hmm. And when he's out on the mound, that he's a bulldog and, you know, and, and you don't hear about him getting injured too much. Do you? DeGrom, yeah. uh, the, the last four years, he's barely missed a start. He might've missed one start a few right. years, yeah. ago, but you know, the last four years, we're talking about a, a, a guy who's taking the ball just about every, every turn of the rotation. And you look at Garrett Cole too. I mean, here's a guy that, you know, I, I think they're the same type of, basically same type of pitcher in a sense where uh, they don't ever want to come out of a game. And, you know, DeGrom, I mean, they're looking for him to go seven innings. Am I right? Every single uh, game. Well, they, yeah, they pretty much expect it at this point. Uh, DeGrom expects it. And, uh, yeah, it, it, it's almost a, a surprise when he does it. You know, he's kind of uh, – he. He's he's one of the few guys where you don't worry about uh, third time through the order or, or you know, the only thing is pitch count. They're not going to let him go out there and throw 120 pitches, but they'll certainly let him go 110, 112, whatever. So, uh, no, they, they expect it every time he goes out that he's going to go seven innings at least. I'm going to ask you a question now. I'm going to go back then, back when we played. When you had a Jim Palmer – Nolan Ryan, Bob Gibson, every single game, they're throwing 115, 120, 125 pitches. Okay, what's the difference? I, you just got to, I got to understand this. What's the difference between the pitchers now and the pitchers back when we played where these guys threw a lot of innings, a lot of pitches, and they really didn't get hurt that often. Tell me the okay. You got to give me the answer on that thing. I don't, I don't have the answer for you. I, I, I wish I had that answer for you, Ron. I, you know, I would just say that in this era, 
they they just don't let the guys. I know do that. It. Yeah. They don't, they, they come up in the minor leagues and that that's the way it's structured. Now you're, you're, that's it. You're going to, you're going to stop it. You know, even, even one ten is, is pushing it for most guys. Um, so, you know, a, a, a kid coming up today has, has no experience going that deep into it. And I, I, you know, I, I think it's really, even as, you know, you go back to the 2000 world series out lighter, was left in the game uh, that last game, game five of the World Series for 142 pitches. You know that that's what 20 years ago. Um, and uh, Johan Santana, he, when he threw his no hitter, the only no hitter in Mets history was left in to throw 134 pitches. Now that was that's a little little different because it's a, it was a no hitter. They were letting him chase history there, but you know, it, it's really changed. I'd say over the last mm, decade, where where there's there's really a, a kind of a hard cutoff now at 110. You know, you're 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 not going to see guys going 125, 130, uh, and certainly not what Al Leiter did in the World Series in 2000. You know, I'm living in Atlanta, and uh, Atlanta is a major hub for high school baseball and, of course, college baseball. And I hear these parents all the time. And they, you know, I hear them, and I'm not talking, I'm just listening to them. And they said, well, my son is going to pitch 32 uh, pitches. Uh, uh, he's going to play in this high school game, and they got him set for 32 pitches. And I'm saying to myself, 32 pitches? You know, I mean, you know, playing baseball, you know, 32 pitches. You know, these, these, these parents know exactly how many pitches they're going to actually throw. And, you know, when you, when you look at this and when you, you know, when you play baseball, you know, when you play baseball, where are you from originally, Mike? I grew up in Connecticut. Okay. When you, okay. You play stickball probably, sure. probably played a lot of stickball and you played and played and played and played. And I guarantee you, whenever you hit, you never pulled an oblique. Did you ever pull an oblique? I don't ever recall pulling an oblique, no. I never knew what oblique was until like two, three years ago. So all of a sudden the Yankees started getting all their injuries and all their injuries, they had oblique muscles, oblique muscles. They got this type of muscles they got. And I'm saying to myself, you know, I mean, I used to hit and hit and hit and hit my whole life. I don't think I ever pulled a muscle on my side. And yeah. nowadays, you know, I mean, it's the baseball is exactly the same. You probably weren't as built up as these guys are, though, as far as, you know, in, in the weight room and, and, and tightly wound. And I think that's where a lot of it comes from. I, I was just looking at Chapman and they had a picture of him on. Uh, uh, I don't know if you, you saw it. His arms as big as people's legs. And, you know, I mean, it was incredible. And I'm looking at this. And I look at. And, you know, when I go to Old Timers Day and I see the guys like Judge and Stanton and Sanchez, you know, these guys are, uh, these guys are big. And, you know, the, the, the days that we played baseball, the big guys were the Frank Howards and the Boo Powells yep. and, you know, Richie Allens and, and, you know, people like that. And nowadays, you know, these guys, you know, I mean, instead of, you know, like David Cohn, Coney said to me, he said, have you ever seen a fat person pull a muscle? I said, no. 
He said, that's why they pull their muscles because they don't have any type of cushions on their, you know, the sides, uh, you know, just the, the body weight is, uh, body fat is probably, you know, uh, 6% rather than it used to be like 20%. You know, so, you know, I, I don't know what to say. You know, I, I really don't know what to say, Mike. And, you know, I'm, and you, you see it all the time and you follow it all the time and you see the difference between baseball back in the day and what it is now and stuff like that. The baseball that you look, the game of baseball, do you like the game when it was played back then or do you like it how it's played now? I, I, I thought it was more watchable um, going back 20, 25 years ago. I mean, you know, going back to the 80s, the 90s, I, I thought I think it's more watchable game then than it is now it's just it, it it it's a challenge sometimes to you know and i i think uh, it's reflected in uh in in the product and what we're seeing in the attendance and uh it's just uh you know we have a, a constant stream of pitchers coming in and out we have uh guys um, taking more pitches than ever before seeing more pitches you know used to be uh and listen I, I can't blame the hitters because they're that's the way they're taught now is is to go up there and 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 work the count and, and look for a specific pitch and the Mets have a guy who's one of the best at it Brandon Nimmo their leadoff hitter has an unbelievable unbelievable eye and he's, he's able to draw walks and but you know we we have so many walks and strikeouts within the game now that it, it it's it's a challenge sometimes to to really get into it. It is. I mean, uh, I was talking to uh, uh, Art Shamsky um, a few weeks ago, and he said he was watching a game. He said there's like 18 strikeouts from both teams. Yeah. And he's, you know, I mean, it's, uh, you know, he said, God, these guys taking it right here. You know, they're not swinging. They swing at the first pitch. You know, you learn to swing at, you know, a fastball, you know, uh, a breaking pitch. And then they go up to bat. And they see a breaking pitch on the way on, on the outside part of the plate and they're swinging at it and stuff. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's no discipline like it used to be, I, I don't think. And, and so, you know, it's changed, you know, Hey, but Hey, it is what it is. We can't change it. You can't change it. And maybe they'll have the universal DH to be fun and, and great and everything like that. But let me ask you a question now. Let's talk about your book. Yeah. Let's talk about your book. I'm so proud of your book because uh, um, uh, you got Keith uh, is doing the forward of the book. Now, you know, I was talking to you before, you, you know, uh, getting all the quotes from the dugout and the locker rooms and the press boxes and stuff like that. The locker rooms, you know, that's a, a sacred place in there. And you got some people talking to you. How did you do that? Well, I mean, the thing with this book is it goes back. I, I it's it's basically spans twenty years, uh, a little over twenty years when I first started covering baseball back in the late nineties. So I I, I started uh, uh, in ninety eight with Bob, the Bobby Valentine era. So the, you know the people I talked to for this book are, are basically people I, I've developed relationships with over the years, and starting with Valentine uh, in that era and and. Moving forward, Mike Piazza, Al Leiter, um, Billy Wagner, uh, R.A. Dickey, uh, David Wright. So it, 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 
it kind of stretches uh, the gamut of, of, of 20 years. And, you know, there's a, the first chapter starts in, in 98 when the, the Mets were building up when they traded for Piazza. Um, and, and it kind of, it goes through uh, the end of 2017, maybe a little bit into 2018 with David Wright's last game. Um, and it, it, it basically encompasses my years covering the team. Now, as far as the interviews, I did a couple of them and some stuff in the locker room talking to some of the uh, current Mets, but a lot of it was just uh, catching up, uh, catching up with guys uh, over the phone, you know, getting, talking to Bobby Valentine for an hour on the phone, talking to uh, uh, Terry Collins for an hour on the phone or Billy Wagner and, and just uh, getting their recollections of, uh, of uh, certain events. Um you know, David Wright, I talked to three different times for the book. Uh, Mike Piazza talking to me for an hour down here in Port St. Lucie spring training last year. So, um, it, you know, it, it encompasses the 20-plus years. And, uh, you know, I have, a, I have a chapter on the Santana no-hitter, which I referenced uh, earlier. And, you know, the only no-hitter in Mets history. I've got a, uh, a chapter on the 06 Mets that went to, Game seven of the uh, NLCS losing to the Cardinals. Uh, you know, I've got, I've got, and it, 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 go, it goes right through the years. You know, the 2015 uh, run to the World Series. I think there's some, some pretty good insights from some people uh, who worked in the front office at that point. Um, and and the, the, there's some surprises in there. there. There's some things in there that Mets fans are going to look at and be like, wow, I never heard that before. That, that's, uh, that's, that's interesting. You know, Noah Syndergaard, who hasn't talked to the media in over a year now, he, he's rehabbing from Tommy Johnson. He talked to me extensively for the book, and uh, he's, he offers up a couple of surprises in there. So um, I think if you're a Mets fan, you, you're going to love it. You know, I mean, you're such a good writer. And I mean, uh, uh, you know, I, I have my book that's coming out. Uh, I think uh, your comes out the end of April, doesn't it? Yeah, April 27th is mine. I comes my, out on the 20th. Okay. okay. And, you know, and it's it's a lot of work. I'm just telling you, you know, I mean, at least you've got a job. I don't have a job. I've been out of work for a little bit over a year. With We can't go anyplace. So I started <laughs> right. the book and I'm having so much fun with the book. And and the fans are, you know, they, they love it. The New York fans, the Met fans, the Yankee fans. Uh, you know, I mean, if you get personal with these, uh, the fans, people don't realize the fans are the ones that made us. Okay. And, you know, I mean, I, I look at them as a hero. You know, I lived my fantasy. Now I'm living my life through these fans now because they know more about me than I know about myself. And they tell me, they tell me about this game and this game and this game. And I, I'm writing a book about Thurman. And people didn't realize that Thurman was a family man. He was a wonderful man. I mean, when he's out on the field, I mean, he was nasty. He's okay. We talked about he's Jerry Grody, but Jerry's nasty on off the field too. You know what I mean? You know, he's tough off the field too. I mean, I know Jerry, you know what I mean? He's, he, he's a tough guy, but Thurman was a guy that, I mean, he, he, he loved the fans, but when he's out on the field, you, he, he's out there and making sure that everybody is uh, uh, on the right mold. 
uh, you know, and he's looking at the pitching staff and this pitcher is not throwing real well for two games and he'll go up and talk to him. And, or uh, uh, sometimes that uh, a writer might say something bad in the paper about him. He'll jump down his throat in a second. I mean, it's, it's hey, and you know, he was that type of guy, but when he's off the field, Mike, when he's off the field, he was a teddy bear. We did so many things together. He was a wonderful guy. Diane and his wife. I mean, you know, I mean, uh, it looks like I'm going out there and uh, he has a big day in uh, June the 25th, I believe, out in Canton. And myself and I think uh, uh, a couple of other guys uh, might be going out there and and uh, we, we're going to have a, a, a thing with him and, and, and Diana. And I mean, hey, it's your book. I mean, uh, it's, it's exciting. How many books have you written? It's my first book. Is this your first book? It's my first book. How yeah. long did it take you? How long did it take you? It took me about a year to write it. I uh, submitted it now last April, actually. And then we've made some you know, changes as we went along through the months here, you know, some edits and everything like that. But uh, yeah, I've worked on it for a year, which and it was a challenge because, you know, I'm covering the, I'm on the Mets beat. I'm, I'm, that's a job and a half. Oh, and yeah. Just covering the team and then, you know, trying to, trying to line up uh, interviews, uh, you know, with players and former players and executives and such, and then sitting down and doing the actual writing. You know, I, I'm sitting here now. I, I don't know how I did it, but somehow it, somehow it got done and uh, you know what this is my second book my first book was great and, and whatever but this book is of course my last book but this is i, I really doing doing everything i possibly can to push thurman into the hall of fame and you know i mean being part of thurman and you know uh you know unfortunately he did not get along with a lot of writers and a lot of writers stumped him off and, uh, but I'm trying to do everything I possibly can to, uh, to show what type of person he really was. And I mean, he, I told the, my fan that whatever I do, all these books are for Thurman and for Diana, because he was my brother. And that was the type of guy he was to me. And I, did you ever meet Thurman? I know. You know what? I, I was nine years old when he, he died in the Oh, don't say that. Well, you really you're a baby then, you know. So, uh, you know, I, I was just a kid. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I was a Yankee fan growing up, so I, I I was obviously crushed when it happened. I still remember a lot about that day, August second, seventy nine. Uh, you know, and you talk about Thurman. The, the thing I think about with him is, he, you know, he was thirty two at the time. He probably would have played another four or five years. But then I, I think he would have managed the Yankees afterwards. I, I, I could totally see that as, as somebody who, who would have gotten a shot managing the team if he wanted to do that. But I think he would manage, but I, I think it would have been very difficult to fire him. And that's why I think Donnie Baseball, that Manley never got the head coaching uh, as a manager for the Yankees because George liked him too much and if he was having a bad year, to get rid of him. That's very difficult to do that. And, you know, and I, I, I could see Thurman. You know, that, was, that would be the only way Thurman would ever go back to baseball after his career was over with, was to manage the Yankees. If to be a coach, nah, 
now because he would want to live out in Canton with his uh, investments and stuff. And were you a Yankee fan or were you a Red Sox fan or what? No, I, I grew up a Yankee fan in Waterbury, Connecticut, which is Oh, and Waterbury, the, yeah. Waterbury's kind of the dividing line between Red Sox. I and played at Waterbury at the high school field there. And oh, they yeah. had all, yeah, they had uh, on the field, they had those crosses. You know what I'm talking about? Those, uh, uh, they had the uh, the crosses on, yeah. on the top of a mountain. Oh, yeah, that, that, that is Holy Land in Waterbury, which okay. is, yeah, you see the cross uh, on I 84 as you're driving through there. And uh, did, did you play in Waterbury in the Eastern League? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And that, that was at that time, there was the Cincinnati Reds then. Yeah. It was they, Cincinnati they had, then. No, I'm sorry. It was Cleveland. It was Cleveland back then. They I had, think they had, they had, well, they switched every few years. It seemed yeah. When, when I was growing up, the first team I remember in the mid 70s, they had the Dodgers there. Pedro Guerrero. Remember him? Okay. He played, he played yeah. for the Waterbury sure. Dodgers. And then, uh, the Giants came after that, the A's and the Reds, uh, the Angels, Wally Joyner. Remember Wally Joyner? Sure, yeah. Played for the Waterbury Angels. And the Indians came with uh, Jay Bell and Corey Snyder. So sure. they, they, they had a lot of guys that came to the Waterbury. One of the first ones uh, was Richie Zisk. Oh, yeah, the with the Pirates. Waterbury Pirates back in the late 60s. Yeah. It was one of the first... Uh, uh, big uh, major leaguers to come through Waterbury. So yeah, they they had uh, the Eastern League for close to twenty years in Waterbury, and uh, I, I grew up watching a lot of that. Yeah, yeah, that was in the high school. That was a high school field that we played in because I remember there used to be uh, uh, not seats. They were like old high school football. Seats. Like bleach, yeah, it was like bleachers. I mean, it was an old yeah. stadium. They they yeah. built it during the Great Depression, and there was a. Uh, if you remember this, there was a gravel track yeah. that ran through the outfield. Yeah, that was just—it uh, <laughs> was crazy. I mean, it was—it it, was—it was not at all uh, anything close to these modern facilities. I mean, but it. Oh it, no, it, no! People don't realize, you know, when you go to a game now in minor leagues, I mean, it's like going to a big league game. When I yeah. played in the '60s, you know, uh, growing up, when I signed in '67. We played on fields like, you know, you had to go out there early to pick up the rocks. If you play in first base, or second base or shortstop, you know, they, they don't have that, uh, 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 you know, that uh, tractor. They're pulling that, uh, uh, you know, that, uh, that, you know, to rake up the uh, infield. And after yeah. they do that, you know, you stand in for the national anthem and you got gigantic boulders this big after they took out. And, you know, during the game, you're just like throwing them out. And that's what we used to do. I played on Manchester then, Manchester, New Hampshire. Okay. I was on the Manchester team. All right. And I don't know, you ever been to Manchester before? Uh, I don't think I've been to Manchester, no. But now they have a really nice ballpark. Does Waterbury still have a team? No, they, they, they lost their team uh, in the mid-80s. You know, the, 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 the attendance dwindled and the stadium uh, deteriorated even more. And uh, it just got to the point where the, the city didn't want to invest in the stadium. The, the team left. You know, it's funny. Uh, Terry Collins, who managed the Mets, played in Waterbury in the mid-'70s. Yeah. And his teammate uh, it was with the Waterbury Dodgers. One of his teammates was Jim Riggleman. Who, uh, oh, Riggleman, sure. Many years. I, 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 I have fun talking to guys who uh, came through Waterbury to play because, you know, they, they have stories of just playing in the uh, – 
in, in, in that stadium where you know the lighting wasn't great and they had the gravel track in the outfield. Oh, the lighting! You have like uh, uh, like you have three like flashlights, you know, <laughs> on each pole. You know, and you got guys throwing like back then. You got guys, you know, throwing hard. You know, you, you think they're throwing real hard because I mean you got three lights, and you know I mean you got the infield, and you know I mean hey people don't realize you know. When we had a team, I forgot where we used to. Uh, we, uh, I think we stayed downtown Waterbury, I believe. I'm thinking, I'm thinking back now. And I remember the clubhouse that we, there was like two uh, uh, faucets that came out of a, 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 a concrete and you had 25 guys trying to take a shower. And, you know, you got like two things, a, a bar of soap and you got 25 guys. And, you know, after a ball game, they stunk. And, you know, they and, and after the ball game, you know, you, you're trying to run back and find a place to eat. Yeah. And, you know, in Waterbury. Yeah, there's nothing over. The thing that, that I remember, the third base dugout was above ground. So you had the, yeah. the first base dugout, the home dugout, there was a was, real, real dugout. Yeah. But the third base dugout was above ground. So every time there, there was a, a, a big storm or something like that, that that dugout would get wiped out in the storm, and they have to build a new one. So, uh, see, those yeah. are the days. Let me tell you something. You know, we, uh, we didn't make much money, uh, but we had to play hard. And and when you're in the minor leagues, you got 25 guys or 26 guys on the team. But you know, like every game, there's like three or four guys get released, and then all of a sudden, there's three more put on the team. So, I mean, you room with like four or five guys and all of a sudden in the middle of the night, you know, they, you know, they get released and you got other guys coming in, but Hey, that was the type of life that we lived. It was fun. It was great. And I really enjoyed it, Michael. And, yeah. you know, I mean, uh, Hey, you know, uh, you're a great big guy. And, you know, I mean, it's, it's, you know, you know, you will have a good season this year. I, I think, I think uh, the Yankees, if we stay healthy, I think, uh, do we play the Mets? Yeah, we play the Mets, what, twice? Well, there's two series, including uh, the, the one at City Field is going to be uh, the weekend of 9-11. So it's going to be Yankees-Mets on 9-11 at City Field. And that, that'll be special uh, this year with it being the 20th anniversary of the attacks. And they'll have a, they'll have a special ceremony. So uh, I think that's great that uh, Major League Baseball set it up that way. Do you think they're going to open it up? How long do you think it'll be before they open it up? Yeah, in your opinion. In your opinion. Yeah, when you say open it up, you mean the full capacity? Uh, let's say uh, I don't think it's going to be full capacity this year. I think the most you're going to go is maybe 60, 65, 70 percent at the most. I think. Uh, I don't know because you 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 talk to people with the Mets and they, they and uh, including Steve Cohen and, and they think there's there's going to be full capacity before the season's over. Now maybe that's not you know May June, but maybe maybe it's August September that that you know that they think it's going to be that way. So we'll see. Uh, I I I I think by the middle of the season though they could be certainly playing to to half capacity. You know that would be what, 21,000 at City Field, maybe by, uh, maybe by the All-Star break? You think a lot of people be afraid to go out? I think, you know, because being in Atlanta, uh, 
Atlanta has been open around about 70, 80%. Even from last year, it's been pretty open. Uh, but you talk to the people up in New York, Connecticut, Jersey, and, you know, the majority of the people are in. And, you know, do you think they're going to have a complex that, uh, uh, you know, even when everybody gets their shots, hopefully, uh, you think people, a few people won't be afraid to come out? And I think, you know, to, yeah, there'll be some trepidation at first. Um, you know, we've, we've a lot of people have been inside for over a year now. So, uh, yeah, I, I think I think some people will be nervous, but, uh, you know, just seeing, uh, you know, we get to opening day with, uh, what's it going to be now, 20% maybe in the ballpark. Uh, so, uh, you know, I think people will see that and gradually it'll build up and, you know, I, it, it'll, it, people will, will lose some of their anxiety as we go along here. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, uh, most of the guys, I was talking to some of the guys on the team, th their major thing was to go out uh, before a game and to hit those fakey uh, people in the stands yeah. with the balls and stuff like that. It's the just, guy, yeah. Yeah, and they, they're throwing it at those guys. They have contests throwing against those guys. But, you know, let me ask you a question now. You think, you know, you being up in the press box, if you open it up, somebody started sneezing, you want you going to think about somebody, you know, you all going to get up to leave, you know? Yeah. Well, you know, we're, I, I think even if, if we have a lot of people in the park, we're, we're going to be wearing masks for a while here. So that, that's something to take into account. Um, but yeah, I mean, we're wearing, we're in spring training down here in Port St. Lucie and we're wearing masks everywhere we go around the park and uh, you know, the media, they have us, our, workstations uh distanced apart so uh they're, they're cer certainly still taking it seriously still down here in port st Lucie, and i i think that's the case uh everywhere in your opinion you think the mets will make a trade before the season before the season i i don't i don't think so um you know there, there, there is some concern about the back of the rotation right now um you know, I, I think that like everybody else, they'd like to have more catching, but I, I don't know that there's a, there's a trade to be made uh, before the season. I, I think they'll go with what they have at this point. And, uh, you know, if, if there's a glaring need at the, the trade deadline, uh, they'll look to address it. But uh, at this point, I, I think they're going with what they, ha what they have. Yeah, I don't think it's going to be much of a trade with the Yankees at all either. You know, I think uh, they're going to go – you know, I, I think they're going to be halfway. If they, if they stay healthy, if uh, the Mets stays healthy, and um, I think it's going to be fun to watch. And it's going to be great for the people up in New York to get all this anxiety out and, you know, looking at all this bad stuff that's happening and, you know, watching some good baseball and watching some pretty good pitching. And I think everybody's going to get out of it. Lenny, let me ask you something. Do you have any guys asking any questions? Can you hear me? Can anybody hear me on the back end? <laughs> no, they can't hear me. They, 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 but anyway, sometimes. Yeah, we're here, Ron. Do you have anybody has any questions? Thanks. Thanks for your kind words, Ron. Yeah. You're welcome. Uh, so what is the Mets starting rotation going to be this year? Going into uh, the season? Yeah, you know, you've got the Grom at the top. Uh, and, you know, I, I, I'd put him ahead of 
any, any pitcher in baseball right now. So you start with DeGrom, you go to Marcus Stroman, number two. Uh, their number three is the guy they, they signed uh, who pitched for Seattle and Toronto last year, Taiwan Walker. And then uh, the back end is where you're, you know, you're getting into some shaky territory. Uh, a lefty, David Peterson, who pitched fairly well as a rookie last year. And then the fifth spot's kind of open right now. Uh, Joey LaCasey, a guy they traded for, uh, he, he pitched for the Padres uh, the, the last couple of years. And then uh, Jordan Yamamoto, who uh, they, they traded for with Miami before the season. So, you know, those four or five spots in the, in, in the rotation are, are certainly a, a concern right now. I, I think they're pretty comfortable with their big three. And that, then, the, uh, you know, Carrasco's got the torn hamstring and uh, Noah Syndergaard's uh, rehabbing from Tommy John. So you can get both of those guys back in, in June, you know, maybe Carrasco in May, Syndergaard in June. Then uh, you keep them healthy, you have a, a, a pretty good rotation. But uh, there's there's certainly concern right now uh, about the back end. Thanks. Do you anticipate the Mets bringing back things like Banner Day and Old Timers Day? I I think they're going to do a lot of that. Yeah, I think Steve Cohen wants to do that. He, he's he's talked about uh, wanting to do Old Timers Day. Now Banner Day. Uh, I haven't heard too much talk about Banner Day. I don't know what they're going to do with that, but I, I think they want to do Old Timers Day. And he, Cohen, seemed very receptive to uh, uh, tuned into what the fans want. One, one, and uh, you know, one of the big things on social media has been fans clamoring for them to bring back the black jerseys uh, that they used to wear. And I, I think at some point we're going we're going to see that too because that seems to be something that's uh, popular. Not not on a full time basis, but maybe they'll where once or twice a week the the black uniforms. That's funny because the Yankee fans hate the dark jerseys. You know, they want them in their pinstripes. Yeah, they, the well, yeah the Yankee fans yeah. want the traditional pinstripes, sure. Um, I did have another question now. I don't remember what it was. Go ahead, Ron. Okay, but I think that's a, a win-win situation for y'all to have old timers say. I, I had no idea why the Wilpons and I, I was talking to Jay Horowitz a few years ago, and I said, Jay, this is a no-brainer. You know, the Yankees, when you have an old-timers day, it's unbelievable. Uh, the Yankees have had this for the last, you know, how many years? 50 years, 60 years, whatever. And it's, it's probably one of the best weekends ever. They run the ship. It's, it's incredible what they, what they do for the players and what they do for the fans. And I think the fans love it. And to have somebody to, to come out for the 69 Mets, have somebody come out for the 86 Mets. And, you know, when you have a Daryl Strawberry or Dwight Gooden, you know, somebody like that, you know, I mean, uh, I think that's a no brainer. And, you know, and, and you know, I think Steve is, you know, I, I never met him. I don't know anything about him. I just know, you know, I mean, he's done real well in his life. And, and uh, I think he might be the, try to be the same type of guy as George. And, you know, when you have deep pockets like that and the stock market's going up and, you know, his stuff is doing pretty good. And, and uh, I, I, I just think that uh, they're going to do something. And I think the fans love that. I mean, the fans talk about this. 
You know, I mean, us as a player, when we go down to Yankee fantasy camp and when we 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 talk about it, uh, before, well, during the season, you know, before the old, before the old timers, everybody said, are you going to go to old timers this year? Are, are you been invited for old timers? It's a real big deal. When you get invited to old timers day, you know, it's, it's, it's a big thrill. And, you know, and, you know, luckily I, for, you know, for, I think I've done it for 16, 17 years and, you know, and it's, it's a wonderful time. You know, I mean, it's it's great to see you know uh, the fans. Uh, it's great. It's good for the uh, the writers like yourself to, I guess, get good uh, print. You know, from some of the old guys, and you know, you haven't seen them for the last 10, 15 years, and they're gonna lie to you anyway. They're not gonna tell you the truth. <laughs> and you, and they're gonna all their stories are gonna get bigger and bigger and bigger. Am I right? Am I right, Mike? It, it's true. And, yeah, you the know, home runs instead of, well, you used to see me hit the ball. I, I hit one about 565 feet and just barely went over the left center field fence. You know, like you know, 365, 370. And it gets farther and farther and farther and farther. And, I mean, who was really good at that was Joe Pepitone. Pepe yeah. was great at that. Pepe was great at that. I mean, uh, the master was for me, and I covered it through Yankee old timers. The master was Goose Gossage. Oh, it was always, you know, back in my day, we walked to school in three feet of snow, and, you know, we pitched three innings. And, you know, the today's closes, they they only pitched one inning. I pitched three innings, and Goose Goose was, was, was the master of that, you know, and listen. Goose said at the Hall of Fame career, he, he he certainly backed it up, but he he did he did love to talk a good game. Oh, he did. I mean, but let me tell you something. I mean, when he came up as a starter with the White Sox, we jumped on him. I mean, he had, I don't know if you remember, it was Goose Gossage and Terry Forrester. And yeah. Terry Forrester back then was a big, probably 6'4, 275-pound lefty that threw hard. I mean, his ball was just heavy as anything. I mean, you could put like a 10-pound weight on it. That's how heavy it was. And when you had Goose, Goose threw hard, but his ball was straight as an arrow. Straight as an arrow when he was a starter. That's why they made him as a relief pitcher. But, you know, I mean, and then once he became a relief pitcher, for some reason, you know, people would say, well, you know, he he loved to have that scuffed ball and, you know, they never threw his ball out. He always made sure yeah. that, you know, the ball, you know, in the infield, he always kept it, you know, and uh, that was the ball that he used. But his ball, you know, his ball was a heavy ball, too. I mean, it really was. And, you know, and, uh, and you know, I mean, it's, um, hey, you know, when you get older, your stories get bigger and bigger and bigger. And each and every old-timers day, you know, you, you get the younger guys, you get the Tino in there, you get the Bernie Williams, and they talk about, because they just played like three, four years ago, five years ago, and then they talk about their home runs, how they used to hit it. They don't understand about five years, you know, nobody's going to know who they are and stuff like that, and he's going to be talking to, he's he, they're going to be talking to guys that's a lot younger than them down in uh, 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 Yankee Old Timers Day. And they go and kept on saying, well, my ball is on, I almost hit the scoreboard out there. And, and then next year, two years later, I hit that scoreboard. You see uh, number one up there? I hit that ball against so-and-so. 
you should hear these guys talking. I mean, you should hear. It's funny. It's funny. You know, we used to have, there was two guys on the team of the funniest two guys ever in the game of baseball. I don't know if you knew it. It was Oscar Gamble and Mickey Rivers. No. They were the funniest two people you have ever heard in the game. Mike, in the game of baseball, we used to get on that bus. Nobody used to talk. And they used to go and they used to talk and talk and talk and talk. And they are incredible. The stories that they used to tell, it was the best of the best. And, you know, even if you talk, you know, if, if you get Rocky, if you ever get Sraboda and you get uh, Mickey together and you get Archamsky together and you get Crane together and they, they just like to, they love to listen to uh, Mickey and the good old Oscar and, uh, you know, and uh, we miss him to death and stuff like that. But did you yeah. ever uh, talk to Mickey at all? Did you ever have the pleasure of talking yeah, to Mickey? I, I remember seeing Mickey around spring training. This is going back. So what did probably, he tell you? Probably close to 20 years ago, but and Mickey, he was an original and he, he, uh, if I remember correctly, he used to love to play the ponies, correct? Oh, he was the best. He was yeah. the best. Oh, we had yeah. some guys that really do that. That was real big. That was real big. They had the uh, OTB was real big back then. Uh, you know, down in uh, Tampa. I don't know if Port St. Lucie. They have the track down in Port St. Lucie. Uh, there's, no, there's not a track here, no. Not a track. Okay. So Mickey would not be, uh, uh, he would not do real well in uh, Port St. Lucie. But Tampa was really good because they got the Tampa Downs there. And yeah, uh, yeah after fantasy camp, I mean, you know, him and uh, uh, Roy White's real good. Uh, Mike Torres, yeah. Mike Torres is real good. They're really good at all that stuff. And you remember Billy Connors? Remember oh, Billy yeah. Connors? You, sure. you know, he had a horse. You know, he had a couple of horses in Tampa. Did you know that? I didn't know that, no. Oh, yeah, at, at uh, 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 Tampa Downs. Okay. And, you know, they, and they had all, just the track. They used to have the TV, just the track that goes directly to the horses. He was the best. He was the best of the best. You know, I mean, uh, but we did have some great times. Mike, we really did. You got to, hey, before we leave, you got to talk about your book. One more time. You got to talk about yeah, your book, sure. guy. Yeah, so it, it, it's actually, a, you know, it can be pre-ordered now on Amazon. Uh, the release date's April 27th, but you can order it now on Amazon. If These Walls Could Talk, New York Mets. Uh, it basically encompasses the last, uh, you know, 20-plus years, going back to the Bobby Valentine era is kind of where I started. And uh, I had a, a great time writing this book. And I, I think if you're a Mets fan, uh, you're gonna love it. There, there, there's a there's a lot of stuff in there, and you, you'll uh, you'll get a charge out of it. Uh, I know I had a great time writing it. So, uh, like I said, it's, it's available on Amazon and uh, April 27th release. I'm going to ask you one more question. Yeah. Give me your all-time Met team. All-time Met team. Okay. Yeah, I want I want to hear it. I want to hear it. Well, first base, I got to go with Keith Hernandez. He wrote the foreword on my book, so I have to give a no, but he would he, he would get it anyway. Yeah. yeah. Uh, let's see. Second base, uh, you know, let's go with let's go with Jeff Kent at second base. Okay. All right. Not Kenny Boswell? 
You don't remember Kenny? Uh, uh, yeah, that, that okay. going, yeah. Shortstop, uh, shortstop. Who are we going to go with at shortstop? Uh, we could go with Buddy Harrelson at shortstop or Jose Reyes. Okay. You know, uh, third base, uh, I think it's got to be David Wright. Uh, outfield, let's see. Who, who do we want in the outfield? All-time Mets team. Um, Daryl Strawberry and Wright. Who are we going to put in center field? Um, A.G.? Who? A.G.? Tommy A.G.? It could be A.G. It could be Tommy A.G. Um, I feel like I'm missing somebody obvious here. Willie uh, Mays. Willie Mays. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> um, let, let's see. Let, let's bounce around a little bit. Catch, catch will be Piazza. Right, strawberry and right. We got to fill left and center right now. Um, let's go with uh, yeah. We'll we'll go with AG in center. And who do we who do we want in left field? Um, you know, now I'm thinking maybe Edgardo Alfonso at second base. He, he's he's one of the great all time Mets. Uh, a little bit underrated. Um, left field. Who do we want in left field? I know it's not Kevin McReynolds. Um, Who's the other guy they gave that real big contract to that played left field? What was that guy's name? The real tall guy, about 6'4", six, 6'5". Six, they gave him like what, a five-year deal. What, what, what era are we talking now? Uh, 2000. Jason Bay? Yeah, that's him, Jason no, Wright. I don't think no, he's making the old No, that, no. Was, that was a terrible contract. Yeah. Yeah, no, that 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 didn't work out. Um, I'm, yeah, I'm, I, I'm, I, I'm kind of I, cheating. I don't know if I I don't know if I've got a left fielder. Give me give me a couple options here. I'm I'm I'm, I'm drawing I'm a blank. You don't like Kevin McReynolds? No. Okay. Cleon Jones. Cleon's Cleon could be in the conversation. Um, I feel like I'm missing somebody obvious. Well, in center field, I actually I've been googling, so you know. Okay. Uh, Carlos Beltran. Yeah, let's. Yeah, like I said, <laughs> somebody obvious. Beltran's got to play center. Yeah. Okay, and Who's then left? left. Who do we have in left field? Um. Uh, I'm, 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 I'm going back through. We probably have to go back to the '80s. Uh, no, we don't want. I don't think it's anybody from the '86 Mets. You know, they had uh, uh, George Foster. They had, but he 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 didn't play well when he was with the Mets. Um, Kevin Mitchell. Yeah, he had a good brief time. Brief time. He had a good career after he left the Mets. Right. You know, um, I don't know. You know, I, I, I don't know who, who, who I would put in left field right now. Okay. How about pitching? Who's well, your right handed starter? Okay. Pitching, pitching is easier with the Mets. Uh, you, you Seaver, you start with him. 
and then you go to Degrom, uh -huh. then you go to Gooden. That's a that's a good top three right there, right? Yeah. How about uh, John Matlack, maybe? Matlack, yeah. And Jerry Kuzman. That's right. That's 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 a pretty good rotation right there. Seaver, Degrom, Gooden. I'm going to put Kuzman fourth, and then Matlack fifth. How about uh, 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 um, relievers? Relievers. Well, you, I guess John, Johnny Franco, you got to start with him. Yeah. All-time uh, leader in saves among left-handers. So, John Franco. Um, let's see. Who else are we going to put in there? Uh, uh, Roscoe. Uh, Roscoe? Yeah, you can put Jesse, I think you can put Jesse Roscoe in there. Yeah. How about, uh, you know, Billy Wagner had a few good years with the Mets. Uh, I, I, I would consider him, you know, I, I think I'd put him in there. Roger McDowell, maybe, from the 86, you know, from the 86 team. I'll put him in there. That's bothering me that I can't come up with a, a left fielder, though, for, uh, for, the, for, for our all-time. who's the left fielders? Well, the consensus seems to be Cleon Jones. Bobby Bonilla? No, it's not Bonilla. Oh. No. Did Mookie Wilson play left? I know he played. He, a he played. Left. He played some left field. Yeah, but played left and center. I, yeah, I, I don't know if Mookie's. I don't know if Mookie would be my guy. Yeah. Now, uh, your all-time manager for the Mets. Uh huh. It's a tough one. Now, only two of two managers have, have won a World Series with the Mets, Gil Hodges and David Johnson. So it's one of those two. Uh, you know, uh, I, I, I would probably go with David Johnson because of the, I look at the 86 Mets and that was, that was one of the top teams of my lifetime. You know, they won 108 games. And uh, so I'll, I'll, I'll give David the edge, David Johnson, the edge over Gil Hodges, but that one can kind of go either way. Okay, that was that was pretty good. Yeah, that was pretty good. How was that, Lenny Joe? How was that? That was excellent. That was fascinating. Yeah, no, that was. We got it. Well, y'all did it again, big guy. I think the fans love this, and you know, Mike, I really appreciate you doing all this for us. And I know this is uh, uh, you had a lot to do up in uh, um, you know Port St. Lucie tonight. But uh, um, I appreciate you going on Zoom. I hope your book does extremely well. I hope to meet you on some book tours if we have some book tours. If we do, it'll be fun. And uh, anything you need from us, you just let us know. And uh, I wish you the best of luck, big guy. And uh, I think y'all going to be good. I think we're going to be good. And uh, we might see each other during the season, you know, I mean, if we get lucky. So. That's well, thanks for having Michael. me. All Michael. right. Thanks for having me, guys. Michael. And, uh, have a good season. Thanks, Michael. Mike, thanks very much. Have a great season, big guy. And uh, uh, if you see Jay Horowitz, tell him I said hello. Would you do that for me? I will do that.
do that. Thanks, big guy. Thanks, Michael. Thanks. Thank you. Joe, Lenny, it's great to see y'all again. Uh, happy haircut. And uh, <laughs> guy, it's, it's getting shorter. Your hair is getting really short now. This is season. And, you know, when and Joe is getting ready, uh, uh, you better watch it because it's hot in Hawaii. It's hot over there. All right, all right, all right. Enough with the personal stuff. <laughs> okay, we can't hit talk personal anymore. Yeah, hey. he, he doesn't want burglars showing up at his house. <laughs> no, no. Hey, I'm glad that you like the book, Joe. I'm yeah. glad you like the book. Awesome, Vinny, awesome. I'm book. glad you were crying in the last four chapters. Well, now I laugh, but I, I do laugh cry now. when I read it the first time. <laughs> you laugh now. Okay. Uh, no, when are you leaving, Joe? When do you actually leave? Okay, huh? we're going to have a great show next week. Right, Lenny? That's right. We're going to have Eric Sherman on, author of, you know, <laughs> it's a book about the 1986 Boston Red Sox. Joe, what's the name of the book? I know you have it in front of you. No, I don't have it in front of me. Oh, uh, Eric's going to be very sides. Eric's going to be unhappy with me. It's this hey. book, The Captain and Me. This is this <laughs> book. <laughs> well, anyway, next week, we're going to have Eric Sherman on with Joey Sambito, who played on the 86 Red Sox. Joey was also a former Met. Joey's from Long Island. So uh, I don't know if I should call a 68-year-old man Joey, but whatever. <laughs> Joe Sambito. Joe Sambito. Uh, all right, everybody. Thank you. Thank you, Boomer. Well, thank you, Lenny. Y'all the best, like always. Joe, when you you leave in a few days, right? Not going anywhere. <laughs> oh, no, Joe is. Joe's leaving. Yeah, yeah. in a few days. In hey, a few have days. a wonderful time. But you're uh, leaving the guard dog at home, right, Joe? Absolutely. <laughs> I'm actually having my brother-in-law uh, stay in the house. So that way we know we're safe. Okay. Be and safe, the guys. The book is The Two Sides of Glory. Two sides of glory, right? The 86 Red Sox. I love y'all, big guys. Y'all be safe. Lenny, I talked to you. Tell Allison I said hello. I know it's your... Uh, uh, it's all right. You don't have to talk about that either. No, it's your eating. <laughs> you got, it's your dinner time. Love y'all. Y'all be love safe. You. And Thanks, it's guys. my time right now. I'm going to eat some banana pudding. Love y'all. Bye. <laughs>